Welcome to the Student of the Game Fire Podcast with your host, Danny B. Philip Beeler is a 37-year veteran, both career and volunteer. He is with the Brighton Fire Rescue in Colorado, near Denver and Aurora, where he currently holds the rank of Battalion Chief and has been for the last 14 years. Philip is also an excellent woodmaker where his hobby is making wooden fire trucks. Philip is a man I'd love to have as my Battalion Chief for the simple fact that he never forgot what it's like being one of the men and women who ride the back step. With that being said, Philip, the floor is yours. Hello, my name is Philip Beeler. I'm a battalion chief out here in Colorado for the Brighton Fire Rescue District. Um, been in the fire service for a little bit of time. Uh, how did I get in the fire service? I think like a lot of people, ever since I was a kid, I just thought fire trucks were pretty cool. And uh, worked. I uh, was in high school and was working at a grocery store, stacking groceries, and that was just horrible. So decided to... <laughs> And I'd go down the path of the fire service and see what it's like. Started with uh, a department out here called Mountain View Fire. Um, got on as a as a reserve firefighter and then became a, a paid firefighter. Uh, in 2005, uh, left Mountain View and then went to Brighton to help them set up their training division. So I was the training chief for a couple of years. And then the opportunity came back to go back on shifts, so I took that. So uh, I've been the battalion chief on the C shift ever since. Okay. All right. Awesome. Uh, let's see here. So what is the culture like within your department regarding pride, training, cause, and camaraderie? And if, if it's strong, how do you keep that? And if it's not, how did you develop it? That's a pretty interesting question. I like that. Um so the department went through a lot of changes. Uh, I want to say in 2000, I think it was 2000, they were uh, an all-volunteer department, and then they became a combination department. And then around 2004, they, the volunteer system transitioned from, you know, having a call go on the pager and come to the station and get the truck to more of a reserve program where they would come and just spend their time in the, in the fire stations. Um, once we, once I got there, they were headed down the path of all career in, in the volunteer program. Though it was beneficial, was kind of um, there was a lot of challenges with it that the organization didn't feel was worth uh, following. Um, things got a little crazy. Um, good things, bad things. A lot of change, a lot of development. Um, and then about a year and a half ago, we got a new fire chief. Uh, who actually started at Brighton as a, as a as a firefighter, worked his way up through the ranks, uh, went to Thornton, which is a town next to us, uh, became the training chief over there, and then came back to Brighton. Um, he is the 19th fire chief that I've had, and this guy is like nobody else I've ever seen in the fire service. Um, he came in, and we didn't – when he said it was time to move, it was time to move, and holy crap, did we move. Um, Go oh God, within the first year, he promoted 20 plus people. Uh, he redid the mission vision value statement. He reread all the SOGs, updated them, got rid of the ones that we didn't need, um, built a strategic plan um, and did something I'd never seen before and brought in 25 people from the community. And the fire department was not allowed to be part of it. 
So those 25 people said, this is what we want from our fire department. Um, during that process, we started transporting, uh, ALS transporting. Um, he does he does this thing where he actually, when he says he cares, you actually know that he does care. So he, um, he goes out and he finds things that just brings a little bit of camaraderie to the people. Um, we made the decision to change the paint scheme on the trucks, which is, can be very, very painful. <laughs> it, it took us two hours to do it. Um, we happened to have three trucks coming from Pierce and we, and we had like one day we could change the paint scheme and boom, it got changed that quick. Um, it, you know, he had the, we, we kept the same logo, but we changed the color on the logo. Okay. So he had our local stripe company print out an extra 400 of these stickers and they just started giving them out to people. Um, he, a couple months ago, uh, I'm not sure who he bought them from, but, uh, they did a leather, oh, kind of like banner that you would put above your bunker gear and it would have your rank and then your name. He didn't, uh, he just bought them and gave them to everybody from the admin staff all the way down to the newest probationary firefighter. Uh, and kind of, we've been talking about, uh, you know, when you go to retire, you'll leave your name badge there and then they'll give you a new one. So, you know, you can kind of say that, you know, you were there. We um, bought three, four, five, six trucks, uh, three, four ambulances. He updated the, the rest of the fleets in the truck. Um, he brought in a couple of people from the outside to help with career development. Uh, he's really big on um, uh, getting ready for, you know, the changes in the organization. So, um, for me, I was doing, I was doing a lot of the specs on the trucks and I was teaching a guy to take over and he said, yep, keep going, get him ready so he can take over before you retire. So, um, he's really big into session planning. The fire chiefs always say that, but they do nothing about it. This guy actually right. does something about it. Uh, when we redid the SOG, he said, yep, they're only going to be a page long. You go through and he'd read him. He's like, well, this doesn't make any sense. Get rid of this. We got rid of like five or six SOGs that made no sense whatsoever. Um, he goes out, I think every quarter he has lunch with every single shift and every single station. Um, not because that's something you're supposed to do in a checkbox mm -hmm. because he likes going to the station and having lunch with the guys. Plus he grew up with all of them. So, um, you know, he has that, that long-term uh, relationships with them and, and, you know, it kind of goes along with that. Um, we're starting to now actually focus on uh, mental health issues. He instituted a rest and recovery is what he called it. And if you find somebody who just looks like they need some time off, you give them time off. It doesn't come out of their sick bank. It doesn't come out of their vacation time. Wow. They just go and take a couple of days off. Um, we had, uh, we had three battalion chiefs. Uh, he promoted two of them up to deputy chiefs. Uh, one to be in charge of operations, one to be in charge of uh, the admin staff. Um, I stayed online. I trained three guys to be battalion chiefs. So I jumped through all three shifts. Um, then I trained five captains to be out of class battalion chiefs. And so, you know, it was kind of this thing where we floated back and forth. Um, it was really kind of crazy, you know, during that process. But to see, to see somebody actually focus on succession planning, and actually implement it. Um, he brought in a guy that helped us talk about the mission, vision, value statements. Um, 
which had always been that thing that's on the wall that you read right before mm-hmm. you take a promotional test. Mm-hmm. And, and they, he actually explained at a, at a level that we could understand the importance behind it. And, you know, so part of the thing was it's very short. It's only nine words. Um, and he goes, he had the, the, the local decal company make a huge banner of it. And it's in the, uh, up at the admin building in the conference room where they do all the decision process. So he goes, so I can look at the chief staff and I can look at the governing board and say, okay, does this meet the mission statement? Does this meet the values? Um, pride is one of our values and he works hard on that. That was part of the reason to change the color scheme on the trucks. Um, the color scheme in the past was, it was okay. I mean, it was standard. It was red with a, with a white roof had a really weird stripe pattern to it. It didn't kind of make much sense. Uh, we transitioned into a deeper red with a black roof, um, black reflective striping, uh, did something that not too many departments did. We didn't use gold leaf. We used silver. And with all the diamond plate on the truck, tied the trucks together like crazy. Um, the week we went to pick the trucks up, Pierce actually used our three trucks as a, um, they were doing a hiring thing. Uh-huh. And they put those trucks out there because of the look of them, um, you know, from that standpoint. So, you know, that brought the pride back. We actually have people coming in now from uh, the taxpayers coming up and talking to us about the trucks, about how prideful they are, about how the new trucks look. So it's, you know, it's things like that. Um, that's crazy. Um, I never thought I'd see somebody like this. Uh, to me, it, I'm, I'm at the, the tail end of my career and I kind of wish I wasn't because I'd like to see what this guy's going to do for the next 10 or 15 years or however long he decides to stay. So, but I'll get a part of it. So I'm okay with that. Okay. Okay. Uh, do you believe communication amongst the ranks is a must for a department to be successful? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. We do, um, uh, you know, with, with COVID coming in and now you had to do all these different things. So, you know, we do kind of like the zoom meeting every at the beginning, we do the 4896s. So at the beginning of the rotation, um, you know, we have that, that uh, meeting, uh, we're part of the North area, the Denver metro area. So there's seven departments and we actually start the morning off with the seven battalion chiefs actually having like a 10 or 15 minute meeting to kind of explain what each department's doing. Um, our trucks are dispatched on closest vehicle. So, you know, if somebody is training, it could affect another department. And then, you know, we follow it up with a shift meeting. Um, you know, the, the command staff meets once a month, uh, the operational staff meets once a month. Um, it used to be previously, there was always this fear of, uh, of what was happening and we knew nothing about it. Now, nobody really questions because once a week we get a chief's digest from each of the chiefs. So one week the fire marshal will write something the next week, the operations chief will write something. And and it's just an email to kind of explain what they're working on and how they're doing it. Um, at the beginning, there was a lot of emails and, you know, you get oversaturated with emails, you don't read them. So he's found the balance uh-huh. on you know, once a week, it shows up and you go, Oh, look at this, look at that. So, um, you know, there was a lot of trial and error in the beginning as he went through it. Uh, he used to do breakfasts once a month and he would send the chief staff out that didn't work as well as he hoped. So he switched back to just doing, you know, the lunches himself from that standpoint, but, um, yeah, the morale, um, the pride, the dedication that everybody has, uh, 180 flip. I mean, I've never seen a department like this. We, 
Um, we actually get more people apply to our department than most other agencies in the area just because of what we're doing. Okay. Um, I get I get guys from other departments that go, you know what, if I was 15 years younger, I'd transfer over to you guys. Um, so it's, you know, he led the way and everybody hopped on board. So it was uh, the right, right people at the right time is what happened. Awesome. That's, that's always, that's always, I love hearing that, uh, you know, when fire chiefs never forget where they came from, you know, like they, they remember how it was, how it felt to be the guys or the, or the girls riding the trucks. So yes. When we went back to Pierce last year to pick up, we've got three engines. Uh, we took him back um, just so he could understand the process and, you know, and how you order trucks. And we were in one location and we had to move the trucks across the street and he sprinted to get in the driver's seat. <laughs> He's like, I want to drive this one. He goes, oh, these things are so beautiful. And you're just like, okay, normally fire chiefs go, okay, whatever, have fun at the trip. Tell me right. The right. Um, but he wanted to go. And I mean, he was, he was running around like a kid in a candy shop, you know, just looking at the trucks. So um, I, you know, I think that speaks highly of it. Okay. Yeah. And for me personally, um, my favorite thing is there's guys like I trained him how to be a lieutenant because he was a, he was an engineer on my ship. Um, I think four of the chiefs now were guys that worked for me that now they outrank me. And I'm like, that is such the that is the coolest thing. Um, you know, to see that, cause I get to watch them do all these great things. And, mm -hmm. you know, did they get promoted because of me? No. I, did I play a small part? I'd like to think so, but you know, right. that would be something to ask them. But, you know, I know in other organizations, people sometimes get upset when somebody that worked for you now outranks you. I'm right. like, this is fantastic. Right. And that's, that was the whole goal of why you're supposed to do what you're supposed to do is they're supposed to be better than you. And obviously they are. Um, I got a, I got a guy who, um, I got two guys that I taught in academy, uh, and these two guys were in the academy and before I retired, they're both going to outrank me. And, and I taught him as a, as a, as a division chief. So to me, I'm like, that's fantastic. I'm excited for them to be my boss because I am going to get even for the time that they were in the academy. So right. I'm going to try to be as much of a pain in their butt as I possibly can. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, that's the whole point of when you, when you teach, teach people, whether they're new to the service or came in at the same time, you're supposed to teach them to be better than you teach them yep. from your failures. So that's, that's great to hear because not a lot of people understand that. And, and it always shows when it comes to promotional time, you see yep. somebody's true colors when that, when, when, you know, when it, when it's that time. Oh, absolutely. I agree. Uh, so can you tell us a little bit about Brighton? Like the, you know, how many stations you're, you're. Sure. We're, um, we're kind of on the Northeast corner of the Denver Metro area. Uh, we butt up to DIA, so if you if you fly into the airport from the north, you actually fly over the fire district. It's very long east to west, but it's very short north to south. We're about 100 and, 125 to 130 square miles. We have five stations. Um, in the north area of Denver, we're the only ones that still have tenders. Uh, we have four tenders, so okay. uh, we shuttle a lot of water, and the guys and gals are very proud that they that they're very, they're very good at it. Uh, we move a lot of water pretty quickly. Um, we uh, run with the battalion chief and then uh, we have five station captains and then uh, company out our lieutenants in cover. We run with five uh, uh, trucks right now. We're four engines in a ladder truck. Uh, we have one medic unit. 
the plan is to have one more this year and po possibly a, a third one this year, if not into next year. And then uh, the next year we'll put on a fourth. And then I think in 25, we'll either open another station or go to a dual house company. Uh, we've actually this year, um, we the taxpayers approved a mill levy increase for us. So it looks like we're going to hire possibly up to 23 people, huh. which is more people than we currently have on a shift. Wow. So we basically, in a sense, hired a four shift, but we'll still save the three platoon system. Okay. Um, from that standpoint. So, yeah. So uh, at one point, I think each shift is going to have around seven probationary firefighters on them. So that'll be, that'll be interesting. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, like, on on my shift and the other two shifts everybody's making sure we get all the out of class people done so when those the first group that's coming out of the academy is 13 once they get here we can kind of focus on what they're doing and you know we'll have those new acting lieutenants new acting uh, engineers ready to go and you know cover those spots um we do we'll probably do about eight thousand calls a year or this year we'll do eight thousand uh when i started in 2005 they were doing 1100 calls so wow. okay the volume has definitely jumped. Uh, the build is still crazy in Colorado. Um, Brighton is now kind of, the build was going on the south side of the metro area. Uh, now it's starting up in the in the north area. I want to say there was probably maybe 30,000 people that lived in the fire district, and now we're probably 45, and we'll probably go to 60 um, in no time. I mean, buildings are going up like crazy. Uh, subdivisions are coming in. Um, so, you know, with that, the call volume goes up. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a really good time to be there to, you know, to see all of that. So, okay. Uh, are you, are you guys ALS or BLS? Um, we are ALS. ALS. Okay. Uh, including the, 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 the engines and the truck? Um, we're the paramedic program is, is, is young. Um, uh -huh. it's, it's about eight years old. Uh, so it's still growing. So, right now, uh, we'll have at least, one engine that's an ALS engine, which we have an engine that's kind of out to the east, kind of a, a ways out, and then we can put one medic on the um, on, on on the ambulance in a sense. But um, you know the shifts have four to five paramedics, so you know. But the minimum we're going to run is just those two. Okay. Um, and as we add more medic units, it'll go to three to four to five. So um, I would say that long term the goal would be, uh, and I'm guessing here is to have uh, you know a medic on each of the ambulances and then one on. Uh, at least the, the fire trucks. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. And and what's your minimum staffing on, on the apparatus? Um, so we do three on the rigs and then two on the medic unit and the one battalion chief. Okay. All right. Uh, what keeps you? And I know you said that you're 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 going towards the tail end of your career, but what keeps you personally invested to stay positive and continue loving the job? Oh, the people. Um. <laughs> you know, probably the, the, the core thing that keeps me going is dinner at the fire station. <laughs> all right. Um, you know, I don't, I don't go on all the calls like everybody else does. Um, I don't see the things that they see. Um, you know, as I tell people from the outside, I get to watch heroes do their job mm -hmm. and, and they are heroes. Um, you know, they probably hate to hear that I say that, um, you know, cause all firefighters don't think they are, but, but they do hero stuff every single day. And for me, that dinner at the station is to, you know, to watch, watch them come back and talk about the things that they did on the calls, um, you know, the, the service that they provide to the community. 
um, what they're providing to each other, and then just the banter that goes back and forth. Um, me, my job is more administrative stuff, which, boy, that's that's a lot of fun. Uh, that's why I joined the fire service was to push paper. But that, that dinner at the fire station every night, the paperwork, you don't even remember it at that point, okay. um, you know, from that standpoint. So that to me, and then, you know, getting to go on larger scale incidents, um, any of the shifts up in Brighton as a battalion chief, all you really need to say on the radio is please put the fire out and you don't got to tell them what to do. They all know what to do. Uh, and that to me um, makes my job a lot easier because then I get time and like as a, uh, I used to call it a proud dad thing, but they reminded me I'm older. So I call it a proud grandfather thing where I get to watch them do this stuff that they're really good at. And and that to me, that's pride, that's joy, that's excitement to see, you know, them do what they do and what they're good at. So, uh, you know, that keeps me going. Our administrative staff, the interaction that they have with the stations, what they have with the community, um, the outreach programs that we're getting ready to do. Yeah, that gets me excited. And more importantly, I get to see fire trucks every day. So that keeps me excited. So, right, right. Yeah. So, it, you know, it's, um, is it bittersweet that it's coming to an end? Yeah, but I knew when I started it was going to come to an end. I, right. I think a lot of people that are in my position are like, I don't know what I'm going to do when this comes to an end. Mm -hmm. and, and I mm -hmm. get that. Um, but you knew when you started it was going to come to an end. So, you should have been planning for that. And, you know, and I've been, I've been planning. I got, well, I got some really cool ideas and I'm very excited for the retirement. Going to miss the people, going to miss the dinners at that station, but ready for the new chapter of my life. So. Awesome. Awesome. Cause yes, as you stated, not a lot of people realize, you know, most places 20, 25, 30 years, but it can go quick. And if you're not prepared, when you walk out that door, you know, because when you walk out that door, they're gonna, there's gonna be an individual there to fill your spot. You yep. know, and you're a name on the roster. You did your time, but yes, when you come home, you don't want to come home to an empty house, right? So you need to not. I don't think, especially these younger firefighters who are all into the job, which is there's nothing wrong with that, but they need to remember it won't last forever, and they need to have that backup plan, like you said. Yep. Yeah, and I already know. I got an idea of the guy that's gonna fill my spot. So okay, I'm, ex I'm excited for him. The, the whole goal for me personally in the last year is just to show up and ride around in a Hawaiian shirt and wave at everybody because <laughs> that guy's doing all the hard stuff, you know? Right, right. Don't, don't tell the fire chief I don't want him to let him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so leads me to the next question. What are your ultimate goals if you haven't hit them already? Um, You know, I think – all this stuff that I kind of wanted to do at the beginning, I did. Uh, I get to teach a little bit, which I think is is pretty cool. Um, I don't know that I want to teach any more than I do. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think it's a good balance. Um, so, you know, my goal right now is to is to give back to the fire service more than I take. And what I'm trying to do is take nothing. Okay. So all I do, you know, every day that I'm there is, is give, um, because at the beginning I took all the time, you know, as a new firefighter or a new engineer, new lieutenant, uh, captain, you know, and then, and now I just, I just want to give everything back. Um, so the goal is, is that the day that I walk out of the station, um, and we do kind of a cool retirement, uh, ceremony is my speech will be like, I don't have anything left to say. I said it all. Right. Let's go eat cake and 
let's get out of here because I'm ready to start my retirement, <laughs> you know, kind of a thing. So, um, yeah. So that's kind of, I, I don't, I don't need to promote. Um, we, uh, just to kind of speak about the, the fire chief one more time. So we have, we have a couple antique trucks and uh, we have a hand pulled ladder cart. And as the story was told to me, it was in one of the volunteers, firefighters, it was in his basement. Um, and he passed away. And then his wife called the fire department. I want to say it was like in the seventies or eighties and said, come get this thing out of my basement. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the wooden ground ladders that were lost, destroyed, whatever they might be. Uh, and somebody rebuilt them with two by fours and, and uh, uh, some dowels and they look okay, but they don't look authentic. And I jokingly told the fire chief, I'm like, Hey, I want to fix those. And he said, yep, let's do that. So me and him are actually uh, in August are going out to the San Francisco ladder shop uh, and they're going to show us how they do it. And the guys told me to bring my drawings on my plan on how to do it and they'll help us through it. So um, wow. hoping to get those couple of things, you know, get to do some crazy stuff like that, um, you know, towards the end, um, uh, you know, and I'm going to build wooden ground ladders. So yeah, I never thought I'd do that, but I'm excited. Um, I'm kind of thrilled about that. He's going to take me offline to do it. Um, my dad's also a woodworker. He's okay. excited to do it. Okay. So yeah, we'll, we'll give it a shot. We'll see how okay. it goes. Okay. So, yeah. All right. I'm going to save that question I have towards the end because you've kind of already started the, the, you know, the conversation. But um, in your opinion, what key elements or factors do you think are needed to make a good firefighter, regardless of rank? Uh, ooh, that's a good question. I like that one. Um, I think, you know, sometimes like we'll get new administration people in that have never been in the fire service. Right. They, uh, you know, they, they walk into this world, you know, just thinking, oh, yeah, they, you know, they go save lives every second of the day. And um, sometimes they'll be put into positions where they need to help out, uh, like a community event or something like that. And mm-hmm. they're not sure how to make that happen. And I'm like, well, the key thing about a firefighter is uh, they all think that they clean the station better than the other shifts. Uh, they all think they party better than the other shifts and they all think that they're the funniest group of people on the planet. But the driving factor is they all just want to help. Right. And if to me, the best thing about if you want to be a good firefighter is you got to have a desire to want to help. Mm-hmm. And if, if that's not in you, then don't do it. I mean, I know it's the, the schedule's great. The pay's good. Um, it, it looks like a pretty neat kind of a thing, but if 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 it if your core value is not to help people, then yes. then don't do it because you're going to be miserable. Um, you're going to hate it. Um, I got a lieutenant who will run the exact same call over and over and over again and never complain about it. He'll he'll run to the nursing homes four or five times a day. He's like, well, it's somebody something, mm-hmm. you know, a grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, uh, a grandfather, a a, a, a you know son a daughter whatever it is he doesn't mind doing that and to me i always try to rotate guys through to him when they get burnt out or they they lose their way on why they wanted to be a firefighter so he can kind of reignite that in him and say hey you know this is why we're here um it, i had it i had somebody explain it to me they go it's like a 48 hour sleepover and i'm like yeah that's exactly what it is and, <laughs> you know, and 
there, there's times that you lose that, you know, because you get focused on whatever things are. And to me, when that happens, I just go sit in the truck and I go, okay, this is why I got here. This is, you know, this is what I'm supposed to do. Right. You know, do I want to run that same patient six times a day? No, I didn't want to do that. When I was on right. the radio. Right. But, but that's, you know, I know you go, oh, they're really not complaining. They're just searching for this or they're searching for that. I get that, but they call because nobody can help them. And you signed up to be the person that will help them. So um, I think keeping track of that, um, <clears throat> we used to send the battalion chief on all CPR calls. Um, and my job getting there is like, I'm like, I can be the IV bag holder, mm-hmm. but I, I kind of find out that that didn't work. And, and I had, when I was on the engine, you know, I was taught because I went to paramedic school um, in 95, I think it was, um, that, you know, you got to stay distance from the family, don't get locked in. And that always bothered me. And so when I, <clears throat> when we were going on these calls, I decided to just start talking to the family. Okay. I would get the, I'd get the information that was needed, pass it on to the crews. And then I would just tell them the truth. Hey, you know, it looks promising. It doesn't look promising, whatever it was. And then at the end of the call, um, you know, if, if, if their loved one had passed away, I'd stay there until the victim's advocate got there and I would talk to them and, you know, and I'd ask them questions about, uh, you know, the, the, the family member that had passed away. And I remember this one family that um, the, the lady, it was her husband that passed away and she talked about the two of them dating. And, you know, and after I listened to her, I looked, I, I, sound, I go, he kind of sounded like he was a stalker. And she goes, yeah, I kind of like that. And, you know, so she kind of had this moment where she giggled a little bit, you know, had some fond memories. But 30 minutes ago, her husband, of I think it was 42 years, had passed away. Um, you know, and making that connection with those people. Um, and, you know, I get, would get thank you cards in the mail from them. You know, like that one lady sent me one and said, my family wouldn't have made it through that transition if you hadn't have been there. Right. And to me, that's the fire service. Um, right. Nobody calls you on a good day. They only call you on a really crappy day. Yep. Um, I went to this class from a guy and he goes, he says, you know, I always find it interesting that like the fire department comes around the corner and they go, oh crap, the building's on fire. And he goes, what did you think was going to happen? He goes, the trash guy doesn't come around the corner and go, holy crap, there's yep. trash. Yep. Um, you know, so I think that, you know, there's, there's a part of that, that, um, that, that this job is fantastic. You can make it what you want to make it. You can dive in and, and be a hundred percent, or you can come in and do your your shift and then go home. That's up to you, whatever it wants to be. Um, but if you really want to enjoy it, you just got to interact with people and understand that it is their worst day, plain and simple. And you're there to just make it a little bit easier for them. You know, I don't know. Maybe one day somebody will call and say, "Hey, I just had a brand new grandkid, and I want you to introduce him to you." You'd be like, great. Wow, I've never had this before. You know, I hope people don't, but you never know. You never no, know. No, you don't. But I, that that segment that I felt like I was I was I was at church. You were preaching, Jesus. <laughs> I mean, yeah. and, and it's true because I I have coworkers and friends that I know in different departments that yeah, you get burnt out. They call the vent, and it's just it's just a part of part of the career you can't go your whole career and be all in all the time like there no. are there are, there's going to be times of your life where you're like you know i don't know about this I, I, I they feel like certain individuals might feel like they're not 
they're they're actually not doing anything for the department. But you helping Miss Little Old Lady up for the third time, it's just it's, it's a part of the job. Yeah, and you and you are helping. Um, yeah, I think there's times that we all think that everything should be this heroic event, 24 hours a day. It isn't. Um, there's a lot of downtime. You know, even we really need to start pushing a lot more on the mental health for us. Um, like when I started, one out of every thousand calls was something you shouldn't see. Now it's like one out of every 200. And and that's taking its toll on this younger generation that's in here. So mm -hmm. um, I do one-on-one -on -one conversations with everybody on the ship. Uh, works out well because I'm more of an introvert than I'm an extrovert. Mm -hmm. I prefer one-on-one -on -one conversations. So, uh, you know, we bring them in. I've had a I've had a couple of people on my ship and a couple on other ships where you just kind of notice something's off and you just go, hey, you know, it's okay. You know, they go, I hate this job. I get it. I understand. You know, I went through it. Here's what I did. You know, here's a couple of options that, you know, that we have, you know, uh, for you. Uh, we have an EAP program. Uh, we had uh, a program called Building Warriors for a while. Uh, we have a new guy that just started one up that's called Revital, and they try to get to it before it happens. Okay. So they do. I've got. I'm. I. I, I wish I would have wrote this down. I want to say he does about sixty events a year, where um, they'll have firefighters set up an event and they'll go fly fishing, and there's no pressure. And at some point he goes. They just start talking about stuff, and um, it's that that opportunity for them to decompress for the stuff that they've seen right in a setting that's outside the fire station with either somebody they know or somebody they don't know that they can just say it sucks right now and you know and go from that standpoint um you know i got some of the older guard th that are my age that are like well we shouldn't be doing that and i'm like actually yes we should be doing that mm -hmm. um, we should have been doing this from the beginning but right i grew up in the age of suck it up buttercup yep yes sir yes sir and and you're like, no, it isn't suck it up, buttercup. You know, I had a guy tell me, I told him one day, I'm like, hey, man, don't sweat the small stuff. And he goes, actually, that's wrong. He says, if you get divorced, that's very easy. You only have to focus on the divorce. He said, but all the small stuff at some point will have the same weight as a divorce. And now you got to focus on 10, 15, 20, or 50 things. Mm -hmm. And that's hard to do. And I'm like, dude, I never thought of it that way. Like, that's absolutely true. Um, so, you know, for me, I, I hate seeing the guys hurt, but it's nice now that we have avenues where we can say, hey, let's, you know, let's just go talk. Um, you know, I had one guy that everybody told me, he's like, oh, yeah, he's a little bit off. And I'm like, okay. So, you know, I kind of let him do their thing. And it, we went through about two rotations. And I'm like, he doesn't look like he's getting any better. And uh, um, they said, yeah, he's just not saying anything. I'm like, okay. So, I brought him in the office and I said, hey, here's a couple, you know, they said you're off a little bit. Let me just tell you, we have an EAP program. We have this, we have this, we have this. I just want to give you the options so you know they're there. Not saying anything's wrong, but I just want to talk about it. And then all of a sudden, the floodgates opened up about this guy and he just let all this stuff out. You're like, okay, great. Now let's actually, now we're going to use these things and we're going to get you, you know, down this path. Um, we have a peer support person on each shift. Okay. Um, that can be used for large scale incidents or if you just don't feel good and, you know, you can start with that person and they have the resources to get you to the other people from that standpoint. I mean, we have a suicide rate now mm -hmm. and um, am I ashamed that we have it? No. Is it sad that we have it? Yeah. 
but I'm glad that we see that we have it. And, you know, I hope we start focusing more on that, on what's causing that. Um, the, the North area in Denver does an officer development class. And, uh, <clears throat> I used to teach, um, customer service and I would spend a couple minutes just talking about the external customer because everybody understands that and would spend more time talking about the internal customer. And one, and, and I talk about suicide and I'm like, I'm not qualified to talk about it. So I'm just going to touch it. And one of the guys in the class was qualified. And for 10 minutes, he stood up and he talked about things. And I'm like, great, we need to bring you back to talk more about this. Just because the team's more successful for when you're here. If that's how you feel, that's how you feel. It, it's not wrong. It's your feelings. But let us see what we can do to maybe, I don't know, help you with them. Um, right. and, and understand them. And because I really need you at work. Because we're better when you're there. Even though you don't think you're doing anything, I can promise you every great battalion chief, good battalion chief in this area knows what everybody can and can't do. And when you're not here, if you're on vacation, you're on a trade day, things just aren't as good as they could be. Right. And and we want to keep you here for that reason. Right. So awesome. Well said. Well said. Um, I should have, I should have told you I got a soapbox. I bring it out. I like it. Oh no, it's fine. Like I said, soapboxes, rabbit holes. This this is what this is what this this is why I created this is to for others who are struggling to hear it's okay. Everybody goes through it, but these are the different avenues you could take to to try to combat that and overcome it. Uh, you, you mentioned teaching. What 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 subjects do you teach? Um. I'm more than happy to take the subjects that nobody wants, but the ones that I really like to teach is fire service history and then the customer service. Okay. Those are, those are my two big ones that I like to teach. Okay. And I get, a little, I get you, giddy when I get to teach them. And when you say customer service, like you're talking about how the firefighters should um, uh, communicate to the public? A little portion of that, but most of it is, is dealing with how, how life is in the fire service. Okay. You know, in the fire stations. And so the class typically comes uh, in the officer class. So you have people that are wanting to become company officers. So we just go, okay, let me tell you about how we think the way we think and how they act the way we act. So the, the, the prime example of it, this was told to me. Um, if you have problems on your crew, you'll notice them at the dinner table. Gotcha. Because if people hate you, they can't sit next to you and eat a meal with you. <laughs> they just can't do it. And right. I was like, oh my God, that's so true. And then right. the other thing is, is you can tell things are getting better, but you still have problems when everybody's on their phone. Yes. And then things are getting better when they're kind of on their phone, but they're not on their phone. Things are going good. Nobody's on their phone. And they're, and they're going and they're bantering back and forth. And it isn't because everybody tells them, hey, put their phone down. They put their phone down because they understand that this is, man, there's crazy stuff that happens at that dinner table. And it, you, I always tell, like, we'll get third riders. I'll be like, okay, you're here for dinner. Sit down, buckle up, because God knows where this conversation is going to go. Right. Uh, my guys and gals, they can't have an attention span for more than three minutes. And the conversation shifts. You know, you start off talking about hose lays, And the next thing you know, you're talking about Disney World and Mickey Mouse. And how him and Goofy have issues. You know, you're like, I don't know how that happened in five minutes, but there it went. Right. So, right. yeah. So that's like when we, we do that, we talk about that. I'll I'll spend uh, time talking about the introverts versus the extroverts. Um, being somebody that's an introvert who 
Um, did I fit in the fire stations? I did, but I was that odd duck. I, I was that guy that was, you know, I've had people tell me, you make my brain hurt when you talk about stuff. And I'm like, sorry, I, I just get this kind of weird tangent and I go down there. Um, I'm different, but that doesn't mean I'm better. It just means I'm different. Like, mm-hmm. I don't like coffee. How I got in the fire service without liking coffee. I, I don't no drink idea. coffee either, so I can relate. Yeah, to so there's only like a couple of us, and it's always a weird thing when you go, I don't drink coffee. Right. And they look at you like, oh, my God, that's sacrilegious. How right. did right. you get here? So, you know, explaining to the new company officers, hey, you know, this is what you're going to have. Um, there's this this from my group. Oh, you got to put a line in the sand and, and your management. You can't cross the line. That's a pile of crap. You have to cross that line. You you live with them. Um, mm-hmm. You're there at 30 mm-hmm. your life. They have to trust you. They see you as the grandfather, at least in my position, as the grandfather. I want them to know that they can come talk to me. I mean, I tell all the probationary guys, look, this first year, they're going to razz you. If they stop razzing you, you should be really, really worried mm-hmm. because that means they don't like you. But my office is a free zone. If it gets to be too much, you can come in, sit down. They can't touch you in this room and you get 10 minutes or 20 minutes, whatever you need. I'm not going to ask any questions. I'll just keep doing my thing. And then when you're ready, you can go back out because there's a lot of them. And yeah, especially with like right now, we just have one probationary guy. Mm-hmm. And I got 20 other people that look at him as the one probationary dude. Right. And they go after him in a joking, positive manner. Um, you know, they teach him and all this kind of stuff, but they have fun at his, at his expense and he loves it. Mm-hmm. You know, but there's days where you're like, it could be a little much, you know. Right. Right. So, but it's teaching it's teaching those particular things that I, I think are really good because nobody does it. No, I, I was going to say, I, I it, it sparked my interest when you say communication and what it entails, because from my experience, and this is not all departments, but there are departments out there that, oh, you want to get promoted to company officer? Okay, take your written test. You do a fire problem. You do an interview. Bam. All right. You get promoted. But they don't teach the individual anything in between, like, this is how firehouse life this needs to be. Yep. You can be a buddy and boss, but you need to be able to separate that when the time comes. It's it's like we're we're promoting, but we're not helping the newly promoted officer get acclimated with what exactly is going to happen. I, I feel like that, that that's a failure on the fire service. And I like what you guys are doing there because I don't hear that very often. Yeah. And, you know, I don't have to, <clears throat> because I take the time to get to know the individuals and know what works for them. When things don't go right and and they they make a mistake, they're more apt to come tell me they made a mistake. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they kind of get down a, a a funky path, I just look at them and go, "Really?" And they go, "Sorry, sorry, I'll, I'm yeah, I won't do it again." And that's it. And and the problem gets taken care of. They when we get on a call, they know exactly my position. They know exactly what I'm supposed to do. They know when I tell them to do something that they need to do it. There's no issues with that. Right. I've never had a firefighter that, you know, that's done it. I mean, afterwards, do I get questions about stuff? 100% because that's what I want. I want questions. Right. Right. I come, in, I come into work expecting that I'm going to get two to 300 questions a day. That's, that's my position. They, they should question why I'm doing what I'm doing because if something goes wrong, not only am I held accountable to the 20 people on shift, but like on my shift, I have 18 significant others that are going to ask me questions. I have 32 kids 
that are going to ask me questions. And now I got six grandkids that should come up and ask me questions. So, right. you know, knowing those particular things, knowing those individuals, knowing what works for them, doesn't work for them. It makes a better team. Um, do I have everybody capable of running into that fire where you go, look, if we don't hit it fast for five minutes, we're going to have to go defensive. Mm-hmm. No, I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't have a, I don't have 50 people that can do that or 20 people that can do that. I have like 15 to 10, 10 to 15 that are really good at it. But then the other guys are really good at other things. Right. I, I got a lieutenant who sets up our water shuttles better than anybody else does. And when he shows up, he goes, I know where you want me to go. I'm like, yep, get it set up for me. I got guys that are really good at being that hard ass boss. I got guys that are really good at being a buddy. There's times that, you know, they need the hard ass boss. There's times that they need the buddy. Um, I I want that diversity so I can move the people accordingly to the positions that they need, because as they progress through the fire service, they're going to change. Their life is going to make them a different person. Right. Um, They're going to get married. They're going to have kids. They're not going to get married. Uh, They're going to make some bad decisions financially. They're going to make some bad decisions on their days off. Um, they're going to lose a, you know, a lot of loved ones. I, I got a guy right now who I don't know what he did to the universe, but the universe just pooped on this guy like crazy for the last couple of months. He lost like four people in his life, important people in his life. Right. And, right. You know, and you're like, all right, dude, let's, let's give you some rest and recovery time. We're going to get you off the ship, go home. I want you to do a couple of things. I'll call you every set. We'll see how you're doing. And, you know, after a, a couple of sets off, he called me. He's like, I want to come back. Let's go. I want to, I want to do this again. I want to get back and thanks for the time off. So, um, you know, I think a lot of administration people look at the firefighters as a number or a badge number. They're not, they're people. And the same thing goes for the administration staff. I know that they're up in the building and they're not in the fire station. They're still part of the team. Um, when we changed the color scheme, um, you know, we said, Oh, the trucks are going to look like this and everything. And we were at a, a cheap retreat and the fire marshal goes, Hey, my two inspectors are new to the fire service and their vehicles don't look like everybody else's. I'm like, Oh crap. We forgot about those. Let's get those changed so they can feel like they're part of the team because it is one big team from the fire chief all the way down to the newest probationary member. That's all the team. Um, I know that we don't understand sometimes what the admin staff does. Great. Then go spend time with them and ask them. Go find out what they do because you'll probably find out they're working harder than you are. Um, our fire chief says that our admin staff is there to support the line staff. And when you call them up, that's exactly what they do. Preach. But wow. We yes. try not to we try not to call them on the weekends. Right. Try not to call them after five o'clock at night. That's their time off. Right. You know, go, oh, I gotta get a hold of this guy. Send them an email, put a time delay on it, send it in the nine o'clock tomorrow morning. Because if you send it tonight at eight o'clock, he's going to look at it mm-hmm. and he deserves that time with his family, just like you deserve your time. Mm-hmm. You. Mm-hmm. So. No. Awesome. Awesome. Chief, man, <laughs> so many hidden gems in that one. <laughs> um, in your opinion, what do you think the, the American fire service can improve on? The mental health. Okay. We, we, we're great at putting fires out. Um, we're great at providing, you know, medical care, hazmat rescue, technical rescue, swift water, ice water, all that stuff that we do. We need to start focusing on the metal stuff. Um, I'm going to be the, I think I'm going to be the last group 
that's in the fire service for 40 years. Yeah. You're going to see people yeah. that they might hit 30, but most of them, it's going to be 20 to 25 because, you know, when I started, you needed a GED mm-hmm. and you ran 600 calls. That was it. Right. And now it's you technical rescue, hazmat, uh, paramedicine, um, swift water, inspections, uh, weapons of mass destruction, mm-hmm. college degrees. Mm-hmm. And the call volume keeps going up every year. And the hours in the day do not get longer. <laughs> right. You know, and right. the thing is, it's like, oh, the department next to us is now doing car seat checks. We should do car seat checks. Uh-huh. Now you're doing car seat checks. Oh, let's go to these pub events. Oh, we got to start recruiting firefighters. So let's go to these events. And we just keep adding into the day. Right. And the call volume keeps adding into the day. And now, oh, we got to do reports different because the lawyers say we got to do this. And instead of your report taking five minutes, now it's taking 25 minutes. And now instead of doing six calls a day, you're doing 14 a day. Mm-hmm. So at some point, you're going to snap. You, you're just going to. So we got to get ahead of it. Um, you know, right now we're at a point where we're, we're reacting to it. Um, you know, because the individual goes, I can't do this anymore. We got to get ahead of that. Um, but right now, I think we got to stay in the reaction phase where we, we bolster that, that, that ability to take care of the person. So that becomes rock solid. And then we start to move back into, okay, now let's get ahead of it where, you know, the individual or the company as a whole, um, goes away for like for us on our four day go on a on a, a hunting trip or go on a fishing trip or go to a ball game or go bowling or whatever it is to just say hey this last set really was horrible you know we've seen this we had an engine company in the north area that in three days had six significant calls um from a mass shooting to a mass drug overdose uh to a car wreck that killed four people in that short amount of time frame right, and right. you know and everybody's like they're fine and you're like i, I know they say they're fine right because that's our standard answer right but they can't be there's there's no way and they may be fine today but five years from now they probably won't be so let's get ahead of that and you know and let's do that i mean i got a firefighter whose wife does some very holistic healing stuff and i walked into the station and here's like three tubs of water out and everybody's got their feet in the tub of water and he's waving the red laser over their feet and there's other stuff going on. And I'm like, what's happening? And he's like, oh yeah, he goes, we do this and it pulls, you know, and if you look at the color of the fluid that it pulls out of your feet, it'll tell you what's going on. And I'm like, really? Yeah. And the company officer's like, yeah, mine was brown. And the firefighter's like, mine was yellow. So like you hear all these new things and you're like, 25 years ago, I'd have told you to get that crazy crap out of the yep. station. Yep. And now I'm like, Hey, should we do this for everybody? Should we let everybody come down, you know, that wants to partake in it and do it? Uh, you know, like the company officer is like, oh, God, my, my knees were killing me. I've done it three times. My knees don't hurt anymore. I'm like, sounds like a great idea, dude. Keep it up. Right. You know, um, right. It, it was like during COVID. Nobody knew what to do during COVID. So mm-hmm. when you have to do something that nobody else has done before, everything that you said no to before, you got to say yes. So when it comes to the mental health, comes to the mental health if you're preconceived that it has to be a certain way you got to say yes let's try it let's try something different and just see what happens is it going to work perfectly no but that's okay you got to try yeah yeah no you got to try it like you said 
That's yeah. Awesome. It's been a great, great, great conversation. Um, so I'm going to shift to pretty much how I found you was yeah. your Instagram page. Uh, you have a company titled six finger fireman woodworking. Yes. Talk about that. I'm the wooden fire truck guy. So, and, well, like how, well, my question would be, how did you discover like, Hey, I can do this because like, I look at the details from the outriggers to, I mean, you guys, or you have it like down to the T. Um, I've been doing it for 13 years. Thank you, by the way, for saying that. Um, where it started was um, when I was a kid, my dad built me a wooden semi truck to play with. And then my neighbor behind me built me one as well. But one of them had the pin in the tractor and the other one had the pin in the trailer. So you couldn't interchange them. And as a kid, I never said anything, but it, it pissed me off every time I played with the truck. <laughs> so when my son turned eight, I was like, oh, dude, look, at I had these trucks as a kid and I brought them out. And he's like, you can't interchange the trailers. I'm like, I know, dude, that sucks. Right. And he's like, can we fix it? I'm like, 100 percent. I'm like, you know what? Let's just build new trucks. So I built them a couple of trucks, uh, a couple of tractors and a couple of trailers. And at that particular time, that was in 2008. So the economy, you know, was tanked. Um, Brighton did not pay firefighters very well. Okay. Half the half the guys on my shift actually qualified for uh, assistance for their kids for school lunches. And wow. so I was like, oh, crap, man. You know, maybe Christmas isn't going to go very well for everybody. Right. So, like I said, I'm a little different. I'm like, do I should build trucks for everybody. So um, I made the decision that everybody that worked for me, if they had a boy, they had, the boy would get a tractor and two trailers. And then one of the guys, actually the guy that's now the fire chief said, well, I don't have any boys. I have a girl. I'm like, crap. I didn't think about that. I'm like, Ugh. so if they had a daughter, they would either get a cradle or a Adirondack chair that like the younger, the younger girls could sit in the chair or if they were older, they could put a doll in it. And then, um, I put a, a, a primer coat on it so they could paint it if they wanted to. So um, I think I built, ooh, uh, what was it, like 13 tractors, 25 trailers, and I want to say six cradles and eight chairs. And we had that day in Colorado in December where it was 65 degrees. So we invited everybody over to the, to the house, I opened up the garage door, and I said, Merry Christmas. So the kids just went crazy and they were running them around there. And and uh, one of the guys who was a firefighter at the time, he's like, dude, you should build a fire truck. And I'm like, I didn't even think about that. I'm like, dude, that makes so much sense. Right. Um, so I started playing with that. Um, the first seven months did not go very well um, because there was nobody else to ask about how to do this. Mm -hmm. It took me three weeks to figure out how to make the wheel wells. Um, and then I got a suggestion for somebody. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Um, so we kind of started out, it was basically block trucks. Um, you know, the best you could do with a table saw and a bandsaw. Right. Uh, 2012, I bought, uh, a CNC machine, um, which is basically a router that you tell it how to cut stuff out. Mm -hmm. um, so now you could actually make the trucks look like, um, the manufacturer's trucks and then, as that would progress on, you'd be like, oh, we should try this and oh, we should try that. And there was this period I'd be like, oh, that's about as much detail as I'm going to get. And they're like, oh, okay. And then like two weeks later, you'd be like, oh, I should try this. And, you know, and then you'd add this and then you'd add that. Um, so, yeah, it just kind of became this thing where you're just like, well, we'll try something. 
And if right. it works, it works. It doesn't like, I tried to figure out a way to make couplings. That did not go very well. Um, <laughs> is there going to be a time that we'll put couplings into it? Yeah, probably so. I'll figure out how to do it. I mean, I just started adding, I would have say six months ago, I started adding nozzles. Okay. Uh, uh, three months ago, I started adding diamond plate access. So um, I, I found a company, my dad actually found a company um, in uh, here in Colorado that sells very, very small router bits. Which is what allows us to get the detail out of the out of the trucks from that. Gotcha. So, um, yeah, so it's I mean that that's been a crazy ride. Um, you, you know, we're now what uh, fifteen years into doing it. I'm on my three hundred ninetieth truck. Um, I've met firefighters from everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, even around the world. Um, I get people. I've had people from Italy ask for trucks. Um, uh, South America, you know, you get every, you get to meet everybody here. Um, it, it's funny for me because I'm probably in Colorado. I'm the probably the most known firefighter that nobody knows what he looks like. <laughs> he knows the trucks, right. you know, because like you know, like I'll go somewhere and and you know, people be like, oh yeah, I've seen those, you know, those trucks. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've got we've got trucks. Um, we've been in Pierce's booth a couple of times at some of the shows. We got trucks at Seagrave, trucks at BME. Um, uh, I got trucks at Volvo International, or their their heavy machine company in Shippensburg. Um, you know, wow. so that path came down out of nowhere. Uh, you know, kind of thing. So, um, you know, we've done fundraisers. Uh, you know, for for departments. Um, this is my third podcast, actually, about uh, you know about the wooden fire truck stuff. Right. So, um, it's it's fun, man, and it's it's crazy. Um, you know, uh, my daughter, when she graduated high school, she took a year off from school and, uh, I'm like, well, you know, help me out with the business. And, and I didn't understand the social media stuff mm-hmm. because I'm old and she's like, oh, we should try this. And I'm like, okay. And so for a while she was, you know, she was doing the Instagram account and, and the Facebook account. And then she went to college. So I had to take that over. Mm-hmm. Um, so not very good at it, but, uh, you know, I mean, I do everything. I design the trucks. I build the trucks. I do the shipping. I do the accounting. I do the social media stuff. So um, I'm, I'm a one-man shop that's really, really busy. I was going to ask, so just you, you're doing it all. Well, at the beginning, um, my dad helped a lot because uh-huh. he would, you would head down a path of something that I didn't know how to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a, a, a group called Spamfo, which is basically the antique fire truck guys. Uh, across the country and they have local chapters. So there's one here in Colorado uh, called the mile high hook and ladder club. And they, they do a show every year and we were down there with the trucks, just kind of hanging out. Cause they don't really, I don't sell anything there because 95% of the people that show up are just average people. Right. Um, they just look at it and go, oh, that's pretty cool. Um, but there's a department that had a, a, a 1913 uh, rapid, I think is what it was. So it basically looked like a, a horse-drawn cart that somebody had put a, a an internal combustion motor into it so it had spoke wheels um the bed wasn't very big but it had all these aerated holes for the hose and they had referred the truck oh i don't know say about five years ago um before they showed up and i looked at my dad and i'm like they're going to come over and ask us to build this truck i go i don't know how to do the wheels so you better start figuring out how to do it and he's like okay so about three hours later the chief walked over and he's like hey he goes uh what do you think about that truck? And I'm like, yeah, I kind of figured you'd show up. 
I said, here's the thing. I go, there's a couple things I don't know how to do. I got to talk to the engineering department to figure it out. He goes, oh. Right. He goes, how long will that take? I go, well, let me hold on. So I leaned over to my dad. I'm like, have you figured it out? He's like, yep, I got it figured out. I'm like, yeah, I talked to engineering. Uh, they're good to go, so we can build a truck. Um, <laughs> that standpoint. And uh, another time we were at one of the shows, um, the booth next to us was uh, Home Depot was there. And this guy shows up and he's like, those are kits. And I'm like, nope, they're hand-built. He goes, nope, those have got to be kits. And, you know, like you get to the point where you're like, it doesn't matter what I say. This guy's convinced that's one thing. I'm like, yep, they're kids. They're at Home Depot aisle six. He goes, that's what I thought. And he walked away. So about like an hour later, the lady from the Home Depot booth came over. And she's like, we called corporate headquarters and we have no idea where these kits are. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, that's where you sell the pine board. And she goes, oh, that's funny. I'm like, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's things like that. Um, right. We'd go back uh, a couple times. We've gone back to the pump primers uh, in Harrisburg. Uh-huh. Uh, that show, I mean, if you dig antique fire trucks, that is a show to go to. And, you know, we the first year we went back there, uh, I'd met a guy who was a firefighter out in, in, in uh, Pennsylvania. He kind of helped us narrow it, you know, get through what, it, what the show was like and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, we're setting up the booth and uh, like we have matching T-shirts. I got a canopy. I got signs. And I'm in the swap meet area where like the dudes show up with their truck and they open up the back of the thing. And there's these three gentlemen sitting next to us and they're kind of looking at us. And I'm like, Oh, I think I'm pissing off people, you, you know, because we've got these, you know, we got all the trucks there for sale mm-hmm. and, you know, they got a couple of little plastic ones, uh-huh. and, uh, you know, and the, one of the guys walked by and he looked at the trucks. He's like, you build these. And I'm like, yep. He walks back to his little area and he tells the other two guys, he's like, just put the plastic ones away. We're not going to sell anything today. I'm like, dude, no, keep them out. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. And so we got this line of people that are talking to us. And it's me, my daughter, and my son. And my son elbows me. And I'm like, what? And he goes, look behind you. These three guys are sitting in the tent on our little awning. And I'm like, hey, what's up? And he goes, hey, well, you know, you have shade. We don't. Come to find out there's three uh, Baltimore City guys that have been retired. So we kind of start talking to them, end up meeting another guy who's a retired Baltimore County division chief, uh, built his truck. We stayed a couple days at his house. Um, he gave us, we had the coolest event. He has a 1962 American LaFrance 100 foot tiller open cab. And we toured the Gettysburg mm-hmm. battlefield in that. Okay. And, and my kid, uh, my son, who was 17 at the time, who I didn't think liked anything about history, just kept asking this guy questions upon questions that he's like, we should come back next year. And he said, he'd take me through the battlefield again. And we'd spend the whole day there, you know, and you're like, how cool is that? Um, right. We built, um, we built trucks for Volvo. We built a, an excavator, a rock truck and uh, a front end loader. And in here or in Shippensburg in Pennsylvania, that's their training facility. So the agreement was we get a tour of the facility. My kids get to drive whatever they want. And, you know, we got there. I mean, you just thought I was buying 500 Volvo trucks. Right, right. They, they, they triggered us. And we got out on the training ground. And I mean, my kids bolted towards these big mining equipment. Uh-huh. I mean, trucks that you won't see unless you go to a mine. My daughter's driving an, an A60, which is a 60-ton rock truck. And she just climbs in that thing. And she's 19 at the time. My son's in this huge excavator. And I, the guy that I was, you know, was working with, He's like, how's it going? I'm like, look at this. My kids are doing this stuff. Right. I go, because some dude suggested to me that I should try to make a wooden fire truck. Uh-huh. This is what it turned out into, you know? So 
you know, you get to, you get to do those things. It's definitely that, that credit card commercial, you know, this is 400 bucks. That's 300 bucks spending time. Right. That's exactly what it is. You know, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, we're going back out this year to, to the pump primers. I'm selling, uh, I got like 20 trucks that I'm selling. Um, So uh, how long does the process take for you to, from, from starting one to finish? Okay. So we basically mimic what the, the real builders do. So like an engine's about 40 hours and aerial's about a hundred hours, but the part that you actually see on the, on Instagram and Facebook is only like the last 10 hours. So um, there's a part where I got to get all the pictures of the truck and then I build a, I, I develop what I call a build list. So it says, you know, it's got a door handle. It's got a flasher here. You know, it's got this, it's got that. <clears throat> and then um, I take that, I design the truck. Um, then I put it in the CNC, the CNC cuts it out, and then we start to put it together. So uh, like on an engine, probably 25 hours is, is in the background that you never see. And then there's five hours of it, you know, getting cut on the machine and then me slicing it out and then, you know, putting the truck together from that standpoint. So, okay. Yeah. Oh, so awesome. we, we do one-offs. Um, I really don't like doing multiple trucks because mm-hmm. I kind of like the idea of something different every time. Okay. Um, but I have done multiple trucks, you know, for certain people. So, um, you know, I guess you call that my niche, um, that I'll just build that one truck that you want where like, if you went to some of the die cast companies, they won't build one truck. Mm-hmm. They want to build 50 or 60 or a hundred or 5,000 of, of that particular truck. So, um, you know, we do the one, do I, do I make them out of anything but wood? No, because I only know how to do woodworking. Um, gotcha. I tried to weld and I'm a horrible welder. So I can't do metal. I don't have plastic injection molds, so I'm uh, I'm not going to do that stuff. Uh, people go, "Will you paint the truck?" No, it's it's out of wood. Um, I yeah. I don't want to paint the trucks because it it's the wood portion of it. Right. From that standpoint. No, no, that's 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 a cool. I don't I don't want to say hobby, but like a cool a side gig that you know you yep. do. Because I was looking at it, and I'm like. That's got to take some time. Like you got the rungs, the aerial, the bucket. I'm just like that. That's got to be a lot of time to to, to get that done. It, it definitely is. Um, you know, and it's it's really cool to to meet all the firefighters across the country. Um, you know, because we'll get we'll get guys that'll be like, hey, you know, I just started out, or you know, I'm 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 retiring, or a guy's going to retire, and you know, we want to, you know, we want this kind of gift. I had a guy from uh, College Station, Texas, call me, and he's like, "Yeah, you know, the fire department gives me X amount of money for a truck, but you know, to get a gift, and they want me to do an axe." He goes, "I don't want one of them silly axes. I want one of your trucks, you know, and I want you to do the truck that I, you know, that I drove on, mm-hmm. uh, you know." So that part's pretty cool. Or you get you get guys to be like, "Hey, you know, my captain's getting ready to retire," and you're like, "Okay, great. What was his favorite truck?" Well, it wasn't this truck that you know that we're on now. He always talked about that's this truck. Oh, like, can you get me pictures? We only got one picture. All right. Okay. Here's the thing. You're going to have to give me artist exemption. So I'm going to, I'll do some other research. I'll try to find something that, you know, that's close during that time frame, and, you know, and we'll, we'll try to make it work, you know, from okay. that standpoint. Okay. Um, I had the Dallas Fort Worth airport guys call me and they're like, we got a guy who's got 50 years as a paid firefighter. I'm like, you're kidding me. And he's like, no, he's still on the engine at 68. Damn. Exactly. And I'm like, oh crap. I'm like, dude, I can't get it done in the time frame, but 
but because this guy's been doing this, we'll get it done. And, you know, we built a truck in less than a week, um, which was a lot of long days and a lot of long nights. I'm sure. You know, but, you know, that to me is, is the cool thing. I, you know, we ship around the country. I don't like the shipping part because I actually like the delivery part. You know, I like to give the truck to the guy because did you get to see the look on his face, mm -hmm. her mm -hmm. face of, oh my God, that's my truck. Right. Like, absolutely. Right. You know, from that standpoint, um, I did learn really quick on though, if it's a retirement gig, I don't go to the retirement party because they want to bring me up to talk about the truck. And I'm like, no, this is that person's retirement. Yeah. Yeah. I'll whoop in afterwards and then we can, we can talk about it afterwards, but the focus needs to be on that person who spent however many years with that department, you know, and that's, that's their moment. And, you know, like I'll get pictures. We'll do like a retirement gift. Like we did one for a, a captain from Vegas and about a month later, he started sending me pictures of the retirement. I'm like, cool. You know, and he's like, he goes, best gift ever, you know, and you're like, that's fantastic. Yeah, so, no, that's awesome. That's yeah, awesome. that part, you know, that part is definitely pretty cool. So um, we're currently, we're not taking any new orders. Um, when we went to Instagram and Facebook, we started taking orders. Holy crap, I got overwhelmed. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to get through it, you know, and, and it, you know, and it takes time. Um you know, we, we try to do every year, we try to do a couple of fundraisers. So sometimes, you know, somebody will call me about something and we'll hop in the middle of that, you know, and, and, and we'll do, you know, those particular things to, you know, try to help out whatever, you know, the cause may be from that standpoint. Mm -hmm. So um, I'll be honest with you, I got 80 trucks that I want to build that I think are just really cool trucks. So um, I'm probably going to hop into that, you okay. know, and build those and then, you know, and then sell those. Um, I want to build a super pumper system from New York City from the 60s because that was a cool truck. Um, L.A. ran a heavy task force in the in the 70s, 60s and 70s, which were four trucks. I want to build that. Right. To me, that's pretty cool. Um, I want to do an East Coast versus a West Coast, you know, and build a, a West Coast pumper and an East Coast pumper and, and, and a, you know, and a ladder truck from both the coasts just to kind of, you know, do that because it's fun. Right, um, right. You know, this. I don't make any money at this. Um, I, I cover my expenses. People are paying me to do a hobby, you know, and that's what mm -hmm. it is. Um, I'm just one dude, um, you know, that does it on my days off. Um, you know, Bright and Fire is still my primary. If I got to go do stuff with that, I go do that stuff with that. There's weeks where I don't do anything just right. because I don't want to go, you know, do anything from that standpoint. But, um, but yeah, some of it's a lot of fun. Like the last truck that we just did, uh, the guy that helped me spec that truck who now specs all the trucks at Brighton, he wanted that truck. And I'm like, Oh yeah, let's go crazy. Let's, let's do a lot of stuff that I normally wouldn't want to do to say thanks for all the help and the time. Cause I do have to spend a lot of time with me one-on-one -on -one, and I'm exhausting sometimes. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure this podcast was only going to go 30 minutes and what are we like an hour and a half? No, you're good. I love yeah, it. So, Keep going. So, so you got to imagine this, this poor guy had to do this day after day after day with me. Right. Right. On the same tip with me. And I know that there are moments he was like, oh my God, he's here again. I don't have the energy for him, but he powered through it. So, you know, yeah, to, you know, to do those crazy things on a truck. Yeah, absolutely for the guy. So he was really excited when he came and got it yesterday. Um, he sent me pictures of it up at his house. Uh -huh. so, yeah. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. No, that's cool. That's cool. Uh, you know. The the funny part to me is it, it's like your workload. It's kind of like mimicking true life right now. Oh, you yep. want a truck? Sure. Which one? An engine? Yeah. Two to three years. We'll see you. So yeah, pretty much. 
it's it's crazy yeah. it is crazy but no that is awesome oh but before we go uh tell everybody the name how they can contact like this is you you can do your shameless plug oh. i'm cool with it that way because that's okay. the whole thing you contributed by letting me interview you so spread the word sure it's um so it's six finger fireman woodworking um you can uh find us on instagram facebook uh the instagram account uh that one we do updates as the trucks are being built and then we'll post the final pictures of the truck when it's done and then on Facebook, all we do is post the final pictures of the trucks from uh, from that standpoint. Why don't I do it on Facebook? I have no idea. I just I don't do the build process on Facebook. I don't know why. I just don't. Maybe because I just don't have enough time for it. Uh, <laughs> from that standpoint, um, like I said, we're not taking orders uh, this year. We're going to go back to uh, the Harrisburg Pump Primers, which I think is July eighth. Uh, we'll be there. I'm selling a whole bunch of trucks that I've had sitting. Uh, in the house, uh, yeah, I'm going to sell stuff cheap because uh, some of those are not as detailed as they used to be. If you want a good show, you like antique fire trucks, that's the show to go to. Um, the plan in the future is to try to hit one show a year. Um, when I get to retirement, you know, we'll pick we'll pick a coast and go do a show on the East Coast or do a show on the West Coast or in the middle of the country from that standpoint and, and get an opportunity to show everybody what we do. But more importantly, to meet some other firefighters and, cool. and hear about all the cool things that you all are doing for your communities and, and for the brotherhood and the sisterhood. So awesome. There's, awesome. there's my shameless plug. Thank no, you. you're good. You're good, Chief. This has been a great conversation. I can tell you, Thank I kind of needed this today. Oh, good. Uh, I mean, I, you know, I, I love going to work, but, you know, sometimes you, you get burnt out. But just hearing, hearing, especially coming from, a battalion chief like hearing the administration part side because like you said a lot of firemen don't really know don't hear what's going on so I, I i truly thank you for today it's been a great conversation oh absolutely i appreciate you having me on the podcast and, and i hope that uh, your podcast blow up and and it becomes so overwhelming because it's so big <laughs> i appreciate it chief just uh hang on once i uh w once we uh finish the recording here and i'll uh, we'll wrap it up okay all right thank you you're welcome if any of the listeners out there are or know of a great firefighter who embodies the principles of being a great communicator goal-oriented hard-working humble passionate and professional regardless of rank career or volunteer, contact me at studentofthegamefirepodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, stay focused, stay committed, and stay safe.